Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Join me, your host, Alexia Gordon, as I chat with authors writing cozy, traditional, and historical mysteries. You won't find explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find intriguing authors and quality fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello again, listeners. This is Alexia Gordon. I'm host of the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, but I'm got guest host duties today on the Authors on the Air podcast. Uh, we're all part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and I am honored to be joined by the lovely Kathy Ace, uh, who's uh, taken some time from her busy Bauschakan schedule to come in and chat with me for a while. Hello, Kathy. Hello, Alexia. It's lovely to be here, cozy together. Thank you. So how's Bashkan been going for you? Absolutely exhaustingly wonderful. It's been fabulous. See, some people I haven't seen for years because of, you know, pandemic gap. Um, meet new people um, and find out about new authors who've come to the market since we've all been shut down, which is fabulous. And also to see some other authors who I've finally had the chance to go up to and say, Thank you for writing everything that's given me pleasure, and please keep doing the same. Now, this Bashakan seems a little different from previous ones in that cozies are featuring much more prominently this time. Have you noticed that? I have. Isn't that wonderful? I actually got in too late to enjoy the cozy bar activity, but I mean, one of my series is quite cozy, and the other is more traditional. And being British and they're, you know, British characters, there is a distinction between those subgenres and the North American cozy, which has a different approach to coziness. But yes, I think that there's much more recognition of the fact that there's a, a spectrum of coziness, all of which is clean on the page, all of which there is no real violence on the page, and all of which ends up with the writing of the word at the end of the story. And that spectrum, I think, is finally being recognized for its great breadth and depth, because there is a depth of writing within that whole cozy field that I think sometimes get gets overlooked in favor of the lighter, brighter North American version of cozy. We're finally looking at all the different shades of cozy. There might not be 50 shades of cozy, but we're getting close. Now, the question of what counts as cozy is something that sets off debates on Facebook that are people have more passionate and polarized answers than in any political debate. Um, and, and part of it is, I, I think um, yeah, how you define a cozy depends on where you're from. So tell us a little about the British approach to cozy because it is, it is different. It is different. And I think a lot of people look back to Agatha Christie, the detection club, um, Marjorie Allingham, Dorothy L. Sayers, the golden age of detection fiction certainly set up what was always referred to as traditional crime fiction, golden age shaped murder mysteries, where you tend to have one sleuth or detective who goes on from book to book, maybe with a sidekick, um, where there will be a, a changing cast of characters with each book. Um, there might be some recurring characters if the setting is the same. But what you've always got in common is a lot of clues, red herrings, one or two murders, 
And by the end of the book, you have some sort of a denouement where everybody's brought together because everybody could have done it. Nobody could have done it. Everybody wanted them dead. Nobody wanted them dead. You've got those varieties of choices. But the denouement where comeuppances are delivered, and I think comeuppances are incredibly important in that traditional framework of British mystery. Um, and taking that forward into the 21st century, we certainly, well, into the 20th century with the Cat Who books, we then saw a North American lightning and brightening, the introduction of more animals into the storytelling, as well as into the story background. Um, and that in itself became its own thing. And I think there is a differentiation. I never thought that Agatha Christie wrote Cozy. She's now referred to as, a, you know, the queen of cosy crime. I think they're quite dark, actually. And I'm entranced by some of the more modern television adaptations, which do bring out those darker elements, which are written in, but are sometimes glossed over in the memory of people who might, like me, have read them when they were eight or ten years old. So we've remembered the light, bright stories and not the darkness bubbling under the surface. I didn't ever think she was cosy. I didn't think Allingham was particularly cosy. The name's now been applied to them retrospectively. And I think the difference is they never were. They still aren't. But that platform, that structure that they created is what's been brought forward into a much cosier, brighter, rosier framework. And I think there's room in the reader's heart and on the bookshelves of bookstores and libraries for all of the varieties. Because whatever mood you're in, you might fancy something a bit lighter and brighter, or you might fancy something that isn't shocking and gritty, but is just a little darker and does deal with social elements and does deal with um, rights that need uh, wrongs that need to be righted. And yet it still doesn't not shock the sensibilities, but it doesn't drag you into the mundanity of the real world if what you're looking for is a nice escapist read with a happy ending in its own way. Now, you referred to the, the golden age um, of crime fiction as sort of setting up the, the structure for a lot of, of the, the more the modern posies on both sides of the pond. Um, one of my treats this conference has been getting Martin Edwards to autograph um, a copy of one of the British Library crime classes because the British Library is issuing a lot of those actual mysteries from that that era. Do you do you read those or do you have any any favorites from among that era? I, I have read some of them. I haven't read a lot of them because A, there are a lot of them and B, while I do enjoy some of them, and many of them are names, you know, I was growing up in the 60s in Wales. So there were books still in circulation that are now being reissued. Let's just be honest about this. So some of the old out of print names are people that I was reading when I was 12 years old, thinking because they, they were new books to me. I didn't know that they were 40 years old at the time. Who cares, right? So I've read some of them in the past, and I, I do enjoy the structure. Uh, some of them stand up very well in the modern world. Others you really do have to read as historic novels that were contemporary at the time, but were written in a different time. And they don't, I think, translate very well to this world. And I'm not talking about mobile phones and, and things like that. Uh, but but what I'm talking about is, is the, the essence of the story, maybe sometimes the underlying reason for the mystery or the murder in the first place. Martin's done a great job with British Library to bring out those 
forgotten classics and they are forgotten classics and we shouldn't forget them because we actually owe them a debt of gratitude because they are the writers who who raised the the waves upon which we all now float really however because i'm an author trying to earn a living wage i do try wherever possible to invest my hard earned money in the books that are being written by authors who are also trying to earn a living wage at the moment which is not to disrespect the british library or the estates of those authors long gone but there are living authors who could do with my patronage such as it is and i i do tend to find i i move more in that direction but i will admit one thing because i was recently asked this question and i took a look at my bookshelves and my kindle list because yes i read ebooks when i travel it's a, it's a practical thing to do and i have to i don't know that i should admit to it but i will tell you the majority of authors i read are british and i think that's because i too am british it's familiar to me the tone the sentence structure the rhythm of the dialogue is familiar to me uh and sometimes i struggle when i'm reading particularly dialogue sections of north american books where the local dialect is used and i can't hear it in my head i have to go find something on television listen with that sort of accent listen to that for a while and then i can yaw as much <laughs> as i can like when i'm reading the book you know but otherwise it's just not naturally in my head Just be careful with y'all because that one is actually contagious and you'll find yourself saying no. no. <laughs> say it. I must not say it on what y'all. <laughs> yeah, it sounded good. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even dare. I'm hopeless accents. Well, I love uh, people's accents. Um I'm sitting here fangirling over your accent. Um but do you find that sometimes sort of moving from ebooks to audiobooks which are another um format that is becoming increasingly popular and uh people are listening because it's easy to listen to while you're traveling or doing something else uh but i've found that the uh you know the narrator can kind of make or break it especially if the narrator sounds a different way than you imagine the character sounding in your head um do you do you find that to be an issue or do you not do you not like audiobooks for that reason or Okay, confession time, real confession time. I can't cope with audiobooks at all. I don't like not hearing ambient sounds. I could listen to an audiobook if it was on a television in the room I'm in and I can still hear the ambient sounds. So I could listen to it through a loudspeaker, but I can't do the the in the ear okay. things at all for any reason whatsoever. Can't cope with it never could. Uh, I'm afraid I'm missing something and I'm on tenterhooks then about what have I missed? What are, what no anyway however when it comes to the casting a few i've listened to i've been i yes they worked when my publisher called me up and said um we're doing a deal with audible for the kate morgan mysteries we, they sold the first two to audible and they said do you have any actors you'd like to suggest to read them that no the books are written in the first person and kate morgan is like me a welsh canadian woman of a certain age and i said well no i don't actually know any um so they said oh well we'll give it some thought we'll talk to audible about it anyway i was doing a, an interview like this for bbc radio 4 in vancouver and i got a call afterwards saying you've passed the interview and I, what interview and apparently audible had taken those tapes and had listened to me in the interview and i passed the audition to 
do the voice for the first two Kate Morgan mysteries. So my job was to then go in and read those two mysteries as Kate Morgan. So I can say with 100% certainty that the first two Kate Morgan mysteries, audible books, sound exactly like Kate Morgan does in my head as the creator of that character. As for the rest of the books, I can't say too much. We're, we're, there are no more recorded and we're holding back because um, those books have been optioned and the first one is now in development. The casting has happened, about which I'm not allowed to say anything, but I would hope that we could then bring those two forms of bringing the story to people together I don't know if that's being talked about or not. I, as the author, can say I would like it to happen. All the people who are signing contracts might have a completely different idea about that. I'd love to do more of them. But I just said to you, I'm hopeless accents. The first two, I think I got away with. But the third one, um, I don't think I would manage the accents that are required because each Kate Morgan mystery is set in a different country. The first one was... Canada, the south of France and Wales. So I was okay there. The second one was Canada. I was okay there. The third one's Mexico. And I'm just not going to be able to cope with all of the accents in that. The fourth one's in Vegas. I could probably manage that one. So I think I'm I think it's time to hand over to the more professional professionals. But for people looking for those two, yes, Kate sounds exactly like this. <laughs> now, what was that like narrating your own book? absolutely terrifying. I don't know, as an author, do you do a loud read-through as a part of the proofing process? I can't, because I have a hard time listening to myself. <laughs> I, I read it aloud to myself. I don't record it, but I find that when I'm reading my book aloud, I'll find where there's a word or a beat or a rhythm or something missing that I didn't pick up when I was reading it with my eyes, because I've now got a concentrate on it in a different way sometimes I even find I'm changing the sentence structure which I try to avoid because when you're reading a long sentence and I do like long sentences when I write when you're reading them they're actually very difficult to deliver so I found myself breaking up some dialogue structure when I was reading it aloud going through the editing so it was relatively easy for me to read it aloud when it came to delivering it to the microphone. But the process was different because I knew people were going to be listening to it. The other thing I learned, and I'm passing this on as information for anyone who needs to know, I only got paid per hour of running time for the books. And if I'd known that, I'd have spoken slower. <laughs> then I'd have got paid more. There you go. <laughs> But um, you, you've told us a little bit of, about your, your uh, series, uh, Heroine. Please tell us about your, your books. Well, Kate Morgan is a Welsh-Canadian woman um, who is a professor of criminal psychology, actually. I was a professor of marketing at the time. Don't hold that against me. Um, but she, she graduated and she took her psychology background and went into criminal psychology. But her emphasis is on victim profiling. Uh, she has a partner in life and crime, Bud Anderson, who is a now retired homicide detective with a bit of a murky past in gang, oh, a gang integrated task force. Anyway, they don't deal with professional investigations. We find them tripping over corpses as they travel the world. 
I've traveled the world my entire professional life in marketing, and I wanted to take readers to all the parts of the world that I love. Um, So every book is set somewhere I've either lived or worked for a considerable amount of time, and they do travel right around the world. So for readers who like armchair travel, different culture, history, architecture, food, of course, and dead bodies, and those classic Christie-shaped traditional mysteries, lots of red herrings, clues, a denouement and comeuppances, the Kate Morgan mysteries are exactly that. The other series of books that I write feature four professional female private investigators. One is Welsh, one is Irish, one is Scottish, one is English. W-I-S-E, the Wise Inquiries Agency Mysteries. Now, these are the cosier mysteries. They run their business out of a converted barn on the grounds of a Welsh stately home, and they live in the little Welsh village that is adjoined to it and actually owned by the Duke and Duchess of Chellingworth. And they they act as a team. They're from very different cultural backgrounds, very different class backgrounds, which in the UK is a real thing. Um, They're different ages, very different outlooks on life, but they work as a team together. I wanted to write books about women working together. There is no backbiting. They all support each other. And in each book, there are several cases because they're professionals. They have to work on more than one case at a time. It might be something little like the case of the purloined pickles, or it might be something a bit darker like the case of the uninvited undertaker. But in each case, they are, I'm going to say aided, but possibly not, by the Dowager Duchess Althea, who's in her 80s and likes to meddle, (laughs) or help, as she calls it. Um, And they they do end up solving all of the cases, of course. And then there's a lovely scene at the end of every book where the whole community comes together. However challenged the community spirit might have been within the book, the community pulls together at the end. And I'm able to bring in some lovely old Welsh traditions, the community sensibility. I'll take them traveling around the UK to different places. There's lots of cats and dogs. I mean, pounds of Victoria sponge is consumed and gallons of tea is drunk. And if traditional British mysteries, they're private investigators, but they're a bit more sleuthy, really. Um, If if that's what appeals to people, they're they're true British mysteries set in Wales. Um, And there aren't a lot of those about. And being a Welsh girl, I like to make sure that I shout out for Wales whenever I can. Well, Ray Wales. Yay. Come Riambeth. That's it. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy and exhausting schedule to uh, uh, chat with me for a while, Kathy. Um, anything else uh, before we wrap up? Well, I would just like to say thank you, Alexia, for taking time out of your schedule to allow so many of us to come and speak this way. And to any readers who are out there trying to look for a good book to read, try Alexia's as well. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of Authors on the Air, uh, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, your guest host. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Please support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you listen on. Follow the podcast on Instagram at podcast underscore cozy, on Facebook at The Cozy Corner Podcast, and the web at thecozycornerwithalexiagordon.com. 
Follow me at Alexia Gordon Author on Instagram, AlexiaGordon.Writer on Facebook, and AlexiaGordon.Net on the web. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.